Listener Production. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly podcast brought to you by Rosie Waterland. And he- Jacob Stanley. And Jacob Stanley, who gets to hear just the gist of what he needs to know about a certain topic selected by Miss Rosie Waterland, which this week will be... <gasps> I'm really excited about this one. It's Henry VIII's Wives. Yes! I excellent. Know. I, I was know. really hoping you would get to doing this one soon. I know, I've been nervous about doing it because I feel like it's a bit like left of centre and everything we've done has been quite contemporary, but mm. um, I'm a big Tudor history nerd, uh-huh. so I'm into this one big time. I'm psyched. Okay, I'm walking into this pretty blind. I know it's a fascinating story. Yay! I think that maybe two of them were sisters. Kind of. Sort of, kind of. We'll find out. Are you out. thinking of Scarlett Johansson and um, Natalie Portman from The Other Boleyn Girl? Yeah, which I didn't <laughs> see. Um, and we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. And so good. And also, you went and saw the musical just recently. Which... I did, which is kind of what made me want to talk about it. So I saw Six, the musical, the other night, which is this amazing musical all about the six wives mm. of Henry VIII. And it's a musical, but it's kind of like a pop show. Yep. So it's like a pop concert and each of the wives is like a pop singer. So one of the songs is very like Beyonce-esque and then another one of the songs is very Britney-esque and mm. another one's like this big Adele ballad. It is the funnest musical ever. Not even paid plug, which means we'll probably get in trouble, but mm. honestly, Six the Musical, if it's in your city, you should go see it. It's so much fun. Yeah. I've heard such good things. It's definitely on the list. Um, Okay, cool. But before we can get to hearing about the six wives of Henry VIII. I've got to do this theme song I've come up with. (laughs) (laughs) Important news. X-ray, (laughs) X-ray. What Rosie thinks is important news. (laughs) Okay, I've got three headlines for you this week because I realised last week I only came prepared with uh, royal news and then Mm -hmm. I just rambled on about it for 15 minutes Mm. while you left your body. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I prepared some some non-royal headlines this week. How many of them are about you? One. (laughs) 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 But these are the important headlines according to Rosie Waterland in the world this week. Number one, Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston touched at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. For the first time since the divorce, is that well, the big yes. deal? Oh my god! Okay, I can't believe you don't know about this. So it was the Screen Actors Guild Awards mm. the other day, and she's been nominated in everything for her role in Morning Wars, which is a great show everyone should watch, by the way. Mm. And he's been nominated for um, everything for his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So they've been on the award circuit together. Cameras have kind of flashed to each of them while they're on stage, while the other one is on stage. So it's been a bit like, "Ooh, are they going to talk? What's?" happening. Mm-hmm. But then this time, OMG. So he won an award and he was backstage. And then while he was backstage, her award was getting announced. Mm. And there's all this footage of him backstage telling everyone to shut up while he stands in front of the monitor and watches while she wins. And he just looks so like enraptured. And then oh. she gets up and does her speech. And then when she comes backstage with her trophy, they hugged and kissed and talked. And as she walked away, he held onto her hand and she looked back and like put her other hand on his chest. 
and everyone's saying that it's true love and they're going to get back together. And are you in Team Jen now? I don't know. I just think, to be honest, he was an asshole and he cheated on her. Mm. He left her for Angelina and then mm. Angelina ended up nuts and now he's trying to get her back. And it's like they literally got divorced, I think, almost 20 years ago. Like it's been... Whoa, <laughs> yeah, really? I think, oh, fif- 15 or 16 years ago. It's been a long time. Wow. So, um, you know, I think mm-hmm. I read this really lovely take by someone on Twitter who was like, I think the reason everyone is obsessed with it is because it kind of symbolizes the ultimate in a door never quite closing, like Mm -hmm. maybe being able to go back and recapturing a sweet memory from your youth that you think is long past and like seeing them together and the possibility of them maybe ending up back together after everything is like quite a romantic idea, even though it's kind of not because technically he's a bit of a dick. Mm. But anyway, it's big news and now everyone's on Brad and Jennifer Watch. Right, and so... Uh, are they going to be at more award shows? Like the season's well, no, just sort of... no, I don't think so because the season, the award season's coming to an end now. Like, and also she's nominated for a TV role and he's nominated for a film role. So he'll go on to the Oscars now, but she's kind of done. My dream is that the Oscars capitalise on it and get them to present an award together. They would be <gasps> stupid not to. Oh, heaven. <laughs> and then, but also the big gossip was... There was a bunch of, like, because everyone went nuts over the photos of them snapped backstage and every single photo of them together, Courtney Cox liked it on Instagram. (laughs) 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 It's a juicy. Courtney's an excellent wing woman. I know. So there's that. And then headline number two is, um, you know Belle Gibson, the crazy girl in Melbourne who pretended she had cancer and started that cancer app called The Whole Pantry and rorted people out of like $500,000 and then it came out that she made the whole thing up and actually she's fine? I actually do know this story, yes. Yes. Mm. I think we should do a just the gist on her yeah. one day, actually. It'd be so interesting. Mm. She got found guilty a couple of years ago in court and told she had to pay back $500,000 but since then just hasn't paid back anything. And it's not that she sort of hasn't been able to, like she's gone on holidays and stuff. So Mm. people have been quite annoyed with her. And this morning, finally, police went to her house and started seizing her possessions to start paying back all the debts. So she's kind of back in the news now. So what does all of that mean? Well, it means that she kept refusing to pay and um, eventually they got sick of it. And so now they've like, literally sent police to her house to, like, take her shit. So, like, I don't know, her car, her TV, her clothes, mm-hmm. whatever. They're, like, making her pay back the money in whatever way they can make her. It's kind of satisfying. Why is this in your top three? Because people are obsessed with her. Really? And obsessed with that story. Oh. I choose the top three. <laughs> Thank you. You don't get to question what I say is the top news. I'm sorry, do you have another suggestion? What news do you think there was this week, Jacob? Tell me what's been on your radar. rather hear more about Meghan and Harry, to be honest. (laughs) Third headline of the week. 
is that, as you may know, I have a show tour coming up <laughs> called Kid Chameleon. It kicks off in Canberra on the 20-something, 24th, 3rd, 2nd of February, I think, around then. And then it's going to be at the Adelaide Fringe for a week in the last week of Feb. And tickets are on sale right now at rosiewaterland.com. So that's really huge news across the country right now. And um, I think, you know, word on the street is smart people are getting right in there and getting tickets. Oh, yeah. Those smart it's going to be the hottest show at the Adelaide Fringe Fest. They so, are buzzing. Um, what are you going to be talking about in this show? Um, well, it's called Kid Chameleon, and the basic concept is kind of about how I had to uh, shapeshift and adapt and change very quickly a lot as a kid because of my difficult childhood with my dodgy addict parents and time in the foster system and stuff, and how that has now led to me being able to very quickly change and shapeshift as an adult and how that's affected my adult life. Mm-hmm. There'll be some uh, a few little best of bits from my last two shows because we're going to be recording a TV special at the end, mm. and so I wanted to put some of those best bits in. But it's mostly all new funny stuff because I didn't do a show last year, so I've got like a lot of funny shit to say. Mm-hmm. That, geez, you may not find interesting because you question my taste <laughs> in current affairs. <laughs> but true fans are welcome to come to Adelaide Fringe Fest tickets at rosywallland.com. Please come, please come. Definitely. Um, and have you written it yet? Yes. Oh. Get lost. I wrote it like six months ago. This has been a labour of love. I've been working on this for ages. Thank you very much. I'm very impressed. I can't wait to see it. What's going Have I annoyed you this week? No. What's going on, Andre? What is your deal? You're, I'm just feeling a lot of hostility through the Skype screen. No, there's definitely no hostility. It's just you and I Bell people Gibson's who... boring. Have you prepared this show that you're just asking people to buy tickets to? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, preparation is not necessarily key to brilliance. You and I both know that. We are wired (laughs) the same way. We leave it till the very last minute. (laughs) So my assumption was not in any way loaded with shade that you may still be working on the content. Look, I may add or take away a few bits here and there before the show. There we go. Mike, I know her pretty damn well. (laughs) Anyway. Vindicated. Maybe I'll add in in a whole bit about betrayal by my closest friend. (laughs) Just don't add anything in about (laughs) Belle Gibson. I've heard enough about her. You have not. You've heard nothing about her. I guarantee you there are people who are very interested to know that her house got raided and her stuff got seized. In fact, get in touch with me on social media and tell me how interesting you found that and how much you wish we had talked more about it. But we're going to move on because I'm sitting here with this diva who demands more. It's not like you have to do anything for this podcast. I'm the one who prepares everything. Get you're to sitting, the wives. You're si- <laughs> <laughs> Is this our first partner's tiff? Is this our first just the gist quarrel? I think we're flirting. Are we? Mm. Stop it. <laughs> All right. You're good at it. I'm really not. I'm terrible at flirting. Um, I'm just all like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, I don't, 
And as soon as I like a boy, I don't flirt with them. If I think boys know I like them if I find it very easy to joke around and fl- flirt with them. That means I don't like them. Mm. If I do like boys, I basically smack them in the head and run away mm. and act like they don't exist. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, when we were doing the Bachelor episodes, oh, that our way yeah. of showing someone that we're interested in them is just turning our back to them and going ice cold. Yes. Totally unexpressive, totally exactly. unresponsive. <laughs> That's our signal that I like you. I know. Mm. So if I flirt with you, it's pretty much a sign that I find you hideously disgusting and never want to see your penis <laughs> or vagina. <laughs> Just FYI. All right, let's get to it. Henry VIII's wives. So tell me what you know about Henry VIII or think you know about Henry VIII's wives? This will probably all be wrong. I think I know that because he was a Catholic, he wasn't able to divorce. And so Mm -hmm. when he was sick of one wife, he had to have her head cut off so that he could then move on to the next wife because the only way to be released from a marriage um, that wasn't a sin was your wife to be dead. So execution was the way that he got out of each of his marriages so that he could then move on to the next one. And the century in which this happened, I want to say, was the 1500s. That's correct. Yeah. And he was like a really virile young king who then became a morbidly obese king whose body exploded at his own funeral because it was so full of gas. That's kind of, I didn't know that, but that his body was kind of exploding while he was still alive. He was really gross. Um, but yeah, that's kind of accurate. There mm. were some beheadings, but not because of the reason you said. Okay. But you do know a kind of gist. And was he the reason that the Church of England was established? Yes. Where divorce was okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is what I will explain to you. Fantastic. That like when a religion has been created recently enough for us to have records of it being created, it's very easy to see that it's a big sham. Mm -hmm. So we'll get to that. (laughs) All right. So Henry was King of England from 1509 to 1547. Mm Mm-hmm. He became king when he was 17 years old, but he was never actually meant to be king. His, he had an older brother, Arthur, who was meant to be king. And mm. Arthur was trained in all the kingshires. So Arthur was kind of like William and Henry was kind of like Harry. So he wasn't mm-hmm. ever really trained to be a king. It was like, you just get to have fun and like, you know, stoop girls and do whatever you want because you have no responsibility. But then Arthur died of sweating sickness when he was 15, which is a thing that people used to get where they would, like, get the flu and sweat a lot and die. Oh. Yes. And so all of a sudden, Henry was next in line to the throne. And then when uh, Henry VII, his dad, died, he had to take over when he was 17. His first wife was Catherine of Aragon, And she was super posh and super regal and super royal and had basically been trained her entire life to be a queen. She had been married to Henry's brother, Arthur, 
after they had been promised to each other since they were toddlers because she was the daughter of the Spanish king and queen. Mm. And back then, marriages were all about strengthening alliances between countries. So England would be like, yo, Spain, what's up? If we let your princess marry our prince Mm. and then, like, we'll promise not to kill each other in wars. Mm -hmm. Is that cool? And Spain was like, actually, yeah, that's cool. But only if you promise to, like, give us lots of cheap trade on, like, English things. And is that cool? And England was like, yeah. And Spain's like, cool, okay, well, here's a three-year-old and we'll keep her on ice Mm -hmm. until you're ready. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of what they did. And then Catherine, when she was 15, travels to England, marries Arthur, who's Mm -hmm. also 15, Um, but then twist, he dies less than six months later of the sweating sickness. And so then she's just there like, well, shit, she'd been trained her whole life to be wife of the King of England and Henry and Arthur's dad doesn't want to lose the alliance with Spain. So he's like to Catherine, okay, you've been like learning how to do this since forever. So why don't you just marry Henry now? Like, Mm -hmm. because he's going to be King. The only thing is you can't have had sex with Arthur because to marry the king, you need to have never have been married. And if you and Arthur never had sex, then we can just annul the marriage mm-hmm. and say it was never consummated. So the king, Henry Seventh, looks at Catherine and he's like, so you and Arthur never had sex, did you? And she's like, no, we never had sex. And then they're like, okay, so her marriage to Arthur is annulled. And at this stage, Henry is 14 and he's like already a little dick. And he's like, ew, I don't want to marry my brother's sloppy seconds. But (laughs) Catherine is like, it's my destiny to be queen. And she takes it really seriously. So she stays in England and she's determined to marry him, whether he wants to marry her or not. Mm. And then when his dad dies, when he's 17, he um, becomes king And he needs to get married super quickly because a king needs to have a wife and start making an heir very quickly. And because he's young and he's dumb and he needs legitimacy and no one ever expected him to be in this position, um, all his advisors tell him to marry Catherine because they're like, she's fancy, she knows how to do it, she's very queenly. And he's like, ugh, fine. So he marries Catherine. And they go on to be married for 24 years. And her only job is to provide him with a male heir, which she fails to do. Although everyone always says in the literature, like, she fails to do that. But it could be argued that his sperm is dodgy because he never produces a male heir, really. And Mm. all his wives have lots of miscarriages. And I don't know. I just feel like maybe he has dodgy sperm. But the women get blamed for it, of course. Um, She has heaps of miscarriages. She has only uh, one surviving child, which is a daughter, which to him is like basically not even a person. So he starts to, (laughs) it's not. Back then, like having a daughter was like, ugh, (laughs) can we shove it back in? Like they don't want those. Sell her to Spain. Exactly. So he starts to get the shits. And this is when he starts saying that, he thinks she actually did have sex with Arthur all those years ago and her inability to have a male heir is God punishing her for being a dirty, dirty whore. Mm -hmm. But really, he starts saying this because he's become obsessed with another woman and that woman will become his second wife. So here's where we get on to Anne Boleyn. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Anne and Catherine's stories overlap a bit, which most of his wives' stories overlap a bit because he's the worst. But I'll start by telling you about Anne, which also kind of finishes Catherine's story. Mm -hmm. So Anne Boleyn is the ultimate smart player. So she hangs out in court, which is basically like the palace cafeteria. It's where everyone chills and, like, (laughs) gossips and Mm -hmm. just finds their husbands and wives and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she has a sister, Mary, who has an affair with Henry the King, but Mary doesn't play it smart. She, like, bangs him immediately, and then he's like, well, I'm sick of your vagina now. Get away from me. (laughs) So Anne saw what Mary did wrong and sets her sights really high, and she's like, if I'm going to marry anyone, it's going to be the king, and if I'm going to marry him, I can't be his mistress, so I'm not going to have sex with him. Mm -hmm. So she flirts up a storm with him and does all this sexy stuff that sexy women do that I don't understand, like stuff to seduce him. Mm -hmm. And if you can see the way my body and arms are moving right now, it's very (laughs) clear that I don't understand how women do that. (laughs) I don't know. She just like pokes him with her boobs. I don't know. However sexy women seduce, (laughs) she does all of those things. Um, But she plays it smart and refuses to sleep with him until they're married. And for someone who is not used to not getting what he wants, this drives him Nutso. So he Mm. becomes obsessed with the idea of putting his peen in Anne Boleyn, like obsessed. And because she refuses to become his mistress, he's like, well, I have no choice but to marry her because I must have her. Mm -hmm. So he starts trying to annul his his marriage with Catherine and she's like, lol, no, I've put up with you for 24 years. You can get f***ed. And so he goes to the Pope who is in charge of like saying if marriages are annulled or not. And he tells his Pope the Pope, his theory about like Catherine being punished with only girls and miscarriages and because she lied about having sex with Arthur and he thinks the marriage should be annulled because she's slutty, slutty whore. But the Pope loves Catherine because she takes Catholicism really, really seriously. Mm. And so the Pope's like, um, nah, sorry, I'm not going to annul your marriage to Catherine. And Henry is pissed because he's basically being cock-blocked by Catholicism. Is the Pope in England or... No, the Pope's in Rome. Okay. But that's like... They went to in Rome? In Europe. Or this is all just fire? Or they, you know, pigeon. they send a pigeon or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. They do whatever the equivalent of the phone is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The pigeon. Yeah. And so um, he's pissed because he can't marry Anne until his marriage to Catherine is annulled. And so he's like, you know what? Even though I've been raised Catholic and everyone in England is Catholic, if this religion isn't going to let me stoop the woman I want to stoop, then I'm just going to start a new religion. <laughs> so he forms the Church of England, mm-hmm. which he is the boss of. Uh-huh. And the Church of England lets him annul his marriage to Catherine because it's his church and he said so. Yeah. So he does it and then he marries Anne and then he puts his peen in her. So if you are a member of the Church of England and devoted to that church, then you are a member of a church that was invented so that a dude could put his peen in a vagina he was despo for. (laughs) Just saying you might want to reevaluate that whole part of your life. And for those who don't know what the other term for the Church of England is, it is... What? Oh, Anglican. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Well, there you go. How can you be a member? 
member of a church that you know was started because a dude wanted to F another girl? Honey, people are Scientologists. Let's answer that question first. Then and we'll I do to listen to pretty much everything Oprah tells me to do, so that's probably just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> we all believe our nonsense. We hitch our wagons where we feel it. Exactly. So um, Catherine of Aragon, though, refuses to go back to Spain. Like, she's like, nah, I'm the rightful queen. I'm not leaving. So he exiles her to a convent where she stays until the day she dies. And until the day she dies, she is insisting that Anne Boleyn is illegitimate and she is the rightful queen of England. Do you know how the people of England responded when all yeah, of this happened? I'm oh, tell you. great. So, meanwhile, he finally puts his peen in Anne and he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and Anne is realizing what happens. When you promise a dude you're going to do heaps of crazy shit in bed and then you can't be bothered following through. Mm-hmm. So it kind of reminds me when you're sexting with someone that you doubt you'll ever actually sleep with and so you kind of like <laughs> say all this crazy shit that, yeah, you'll definitely do and you like you actually have no intention of ever doing it. Like if you actually had to do some of the stuff you said you were going to do when you were sexting, you'd be a bit f- Okay, I can't relate, but I think maybe Mike can because he can barely contain himself. He is laughing so hard right well, now. Really, I don't know. You kind of get sexing with someone on Tinder that you have no intention of ever actually meeting and the sexing's kind of fun. So you're just like, hmm, here's all the things I wish I could be bothered doing and like you're never going to actually do it. <laughs> so if you actually did then meet in person, you'd be it's like you got to keep expectations low. Why do you think I go on and on and on publicly about how I don't give head? Because that means if I very rarely do it once a year, the guy thinks he's won the effing lotto. Right? I'm smart. Play it smart, ladies. Oh. Anne Boleyn did not do this. Anne Boleyn way overpromised. And Henry's kind of like, I created a whole church for this. And she's like, Welp, I've got to do more than starfish it. This sucks. And the only <laughs> thing that will save her is if she can give him a male heir because the sex is not what she promised. Mm-hmm. And he's desperate for a male heir, but she can't. She has a few miscarriages and she has a daughter who uh, will go on to be Elizabeth I. Mm-hmm. But fathering one of the most powerful women in history isn't as good to Henry as even having a mediocre son. So he doesn't give an F about Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And people hate Anne. They hate her. They loved Catherine of Aragon because she was regal and royal and lovely. And apparently Anne was super smug about becoming queen, even though, like, given how people talk about Meghan Markle today, you get the feeling that, like, Anne probably wasn't super smug. It's just that whatever the equivalent of the Daily Mail back then was was saying that she was, which mm. is kind of what happens with Meghan Markle now. So, I mean, it's kind of like Catherine of Aragon was Kate Middleton and Anne Boleyn is Meghan Markle. That's mm-hmm. the, like, public sentiment towards her. They just, they hate her. Mm-hmm. So 
that makes it easy for him to come up with a reason to get rid of her because mm-hmm. she's not doing the batshit crazy things in bed. He's not getting a son. So he's like, I want to get rid of this girl. Um, so he uh, kind of gets uh, stirs up the public hatred of her by pulling her into prison on charges of treason and um, incest. So there are all these rumours in, like, the Daily Mail that she's slept with her brother and done all these things, which is all, like, historically they say absolutely not true. It was Mm. all just trumped up to uh, have a reason to get her in trouble. Mm -hmm. And then she's found guilty and she's beheaded. And he's like, bye. And so how many... That's what you get for promising dick stuff that you don't (laughs) do. (laughs) And then birthing a girl... How dare you? (laughs) So, yeah. Next up, we've got Jane Seymour. And Jane is basically the Taylor Swift of Henry's wives. So compared to Anne Boleyn, she's super sweet, she's super vanilla, but like Taylor Swift, she's also, like, super conniving and people totally (laughs) underestimate, like, how kind of snakish she is. So Henry proposes to her the day after Anne is beheaded. Mm. So Jane has been in there nudging for a while, trying to, you know, get him. Mm. Um, But she gets him by doing the opposite of what Anne did. So she Mm. gets him by being very sweet and virginal and good and pure, which is everything he decided, like, that total witch Anne Boleyn wasn't. Mm. So people love Jane Seymour and they and he loves Jane Seymour and they kind of, like, put her up on this pedestal as, like, the opposite of, you know, the Meghan Markle, Anne Boleyn, awful woman that they had just been putting up with. Mm. Ten days after Anne's head is cut off, they get married. So it's very fast. And she gets prego pretty much straight away. And finally, she has a son, Mm -hmm. which is what he always wanted. But the labour is not so bad. It lasts for days. It nearly kills her. And then two weeks later, she gets an infection in her vag and it does kill her and she dies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Jane Seymour. I know. Because, you know, childbirth was like so safe and amazing and women have been doing it at home for centuries and there's no reason why we shouldn't still do it that way. Oh, except most of them <laughs> died. <laughs> <sighs> Don't ignore modern medicine, people. And also the son she has ends up dying quite young anyway. So anyway, but um, Henry is devastated when she dies devastated and she kind of gets to always live in his heart and mind as his pure ultimate soulmate but only because she didn't live long enough for him to start hating her for something which he would have like he would have they were still literally in the honeymoon phase literally in the honeymoon phase and she had just given him a son like it's kind of like you know how people like Marilyn Monroe live on as these young, gorgeous legends because, like, she would not be nearly as famous if she'd gotten old and been in, like, weird episodes of Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. Like, (laughs) she remains in his heart pure and young and beautiful forever. Mm -hmm. She actually is the queen that he ends up being buried next to when he dies. So Mm -hmm. he always considers her, like, his soulmate. Mm-hmm. So after she dies, he actually is a bit like Devo. So he has an actual period of singledom, four years. 
he doesn't, I mean, I'm sure he's banging lots of people in court in the palace and stuff, but he doesn't get married for another four years. Mm -hmm. When he's 49, he decides it's time to get married. And this is where Anne of Cleves comes along. So he's kind of super gross now. Like, like you said in your, in your little summation (laughs) of what you know, he was very young and handsome and virile and whatever. But then he got old and he has a jousting accident, um, which is like, you know, when you, uh, it's like that spear that you spear animals with on your horse or whatever. Yeah. And somehow he gets speared in his leg and it turns into this big pussy ulcer that never quite heals. Mm. So he has this stinking pus filled ulcer on his leg and that stops him from being able to exercise because he's in so much pain. So he develops gout and then he becomes morbidly obese because he can't really move a lot. And his teeth are kind of rotting in his head and he just kind of hobbles around eating and drinking and like wiping the weeping pus from his um, <laughs> I can't thigh. believe we've got another three wives to go yeah. who got so to enjoy where, this. That's where he's at. And it's suggested by one of his staffers, Thomas Cromwell, that there's this 25-year-old German noble girl who would be good to marry. And like every hideous, gross, entitled man on the planet, he's like, well, I need to know what she looks like because I deserve a Playboy bunny. (laughs) And so they get an artist to paint a portrait of Anne of Cleves in Mm. Germany and send it to Henry. And Henry looks at it and he's like, approved. And so Anne of Cleves (laughs) makes her way to England to marry him. But when she gets there... He takes one look at her and insists he's been catfished. <laughs> he thinks that she is way ago and doesn't look like the picture and literally says to her face, I am not pleased, and then walks away. <laughs> and so Anne of Cleves is like, what? And he's like, she is so disgusting. I will never be able to get the penis that I haven't seen in years erect. I cannot marry her. <laughs> Because I will not be able to consummate the marriage with such a hideous beast of a woman. (laughs) And they say now that she actually wasn't, she was quite, she was an average attractive girl. And Mm. like it said, some people have said that the artist exaggerated her beauty in the portrait, but Mm. like they didn't. She was just, I don't know. I think it's just that thing of, gross 49-year-old men thinking they deserve supermodels and Anne of Cleves was just kind of average pretty. Mm-hmm. So he refuses to marry her. Um, he actually has Thomas Cromwell, the man who recommended her, executed for even suggesting that he would marry such a hideous <laughs> beast. <laughs> Thomas Cromwell's out. But to be nice about it, he gives her this huge castle to live in and he gives her a massive amount of money and she gets an honorary title of king's sister and then she outlives him and all his other wives in her mansion with all this money. So Anna Cleves kind of has the best life. So they never actually get married, but no. she's still one of the six wives. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he refuses to marry her, but she's sort of included as, yeah. She really made out as a winner. She, she didn't even have to get on her knees at any point. I reckon I reckon she had dudes getting on their knees for her. I reckon she had the time of her life in that castle. Get it, Anne of Cleves. I know. Yeah. So after Anne of Cleves, he's like, oh, I need something to wash off that ugly woman. <laughs> um, and this is a wife that not a lot of people know about because she comes and goes pretty fast. Her name's Catherine Howard. 
Catherine is super young and super pretty and kind of a sexy minx, which after being with the virginal Jane Seymour and then dealing with the horror of being in a room with Anne of Cleves, Henry is after something fun and flighty and he's in his 50s at this point and Catherine Howard is 17, so it's a bit of a midlife crisis Harvey Weinstein situation. Mm. Plus her family is noble but they're super poor. So she's noble enough to marry um, and her dad is desperate for money. So he kind of pushes her into it. Um, they get married the day Thomas Cromwell is executed. So Henry's not messing around. This happens mm-hmm. really fast. Um, but as usual, like men want women to be sexy, but like not slutty. And they want them to be experienced and tantalizing in bed, but without having ever slept with anyone else to gain that experience. Mm-hmm. And it comes out that Catherine Howard was sleeping with someone else before she married the king and she had been engaged to a guy once who she hires to be her private secretary when she's queen, which, you know, is like winkity wink. Mm -hmm. She was probs sleeping with him. But also her marriage to Henry is basically a business arrangement set up by her dad and she's doing what she has to do. She has sex with Henry like, and she doesn't pop his weeping leg abscess every oh. time they're doing it. Like, so she also just wants some hot, young, unwrinkled pain on the side. Like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with that? Mm-hmm. But she gets busted and um, he chops her head off. Mm. So that's like less than a year. Okay. Five. So then we move on to the final wife, mm-hmm. Catherine Parr. Now, Catherine Parr is kind of awesome. She's basically an old widow. She's 33. <laughs> <laughs> She's already been married three times and she has had enough. Three times. Three times. Not had any kids. All her husbands have died. And she's so she's got all this money from being a widow and she's just had enough of man's shit. She is over it. She's, like, got all this money. She lives in this big house and she's, like, noble and it's, like, she knows how to be a wife. Mm -hmm. And so when Henry comes knocking, she's just, like, ugh, whatever. Um, And she has to say yes because you can't say no to the king. But, Uh like, she's not thrilled about it. She's really smart and she, like, is known for campaigning for women's education. She was a published author. She'd written – she has written many books – and she kind of finds him to be an insufferable dummy. Like, she does not like him. But she argues with him about politics and she kind of decides, well, I can maybe have a positive influence here. So she marries him. And um, she convinces him to calm down with the Church of England thing. She's mm-hmm. like, you can't just switch up and, and make a religion like that and then get mad at people when they're sneaking off to still do Catholic things. Like, let people be Catholic if they want. Mm. And, like, the dummies who want to do your slutty church, let them do that one. Like, just live and let live. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay. And then she also um, convinces him to put his two daughters into the line of succession. So the son he had with uh, Jane Seymour does eventually die, and that would mean that, you know, the line of succession would go to some random cousin or something if he Mm -hmm. had refused to um, acknowledge his daughters. Mm -hmm. So Mary, who is the daughter of Catherine of Aragon, Mm -hmm. is put into the line of succession, and Elizabeth, who is the daughter of Anne Boleyn, is put into the line of succession. And that's because 
Catherine Parr convinces him to do that because she is um, really all about the empowerment of women. Wow. But apparently he's just really sick and old and gross and stinky with his ulcer at this point and probably just couldn't have sex anyway. So um, she seems like the kind of woman who you know, probably would have just pointed her legs to the ceiling and prayed to Oprah and got through it. But Mm. I don't think she really had to. Like I doubted, I doubt there was a lot of sex going on between them. That's what historians say. Then aged 55, uh, he dies. (laughs) That's it. He's just, his leg is exploding. He's, you know, can barely walk. He stinks and he just drops dead. Okay. She is the only one of his wives to outlive him. I mean, except for Anne of Cleves, I guess. She gets a bunch of money. They let her go live in her mansion that she lived in before she married him. Mm. And then she lives there till she cocks it. The crown initially goes to Edward, Jane Seymour's son, but then Mm. he dies when he's 15. Mm. So um, then because uh, Catherine Parr had convinced him to put Mary and Elizabeth into the line of succession... The crown then goes to Mary, who ends up being a total psycho and is where the phrase Bloody Mary comes from because, yeah, she hates, she's extremely Catholic because her mother Mm. was extremely Catholic, hates that he invented the Church of England Mm. to betray her mother. So she basically goes on a killing spree and when she's queen, uh, murders anyone who refuses to... um, convert back to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So she just goes around murdering all the Anglicans, which I didn't... (laughs) What did I think they were? Church of Anglicans? (laughs) Anyway. They believe in angels. She becomes uh, known as Bloody Mary. Um, And then when she cocks it, Elizabeth strives on in and becomes Elizabeth I, possibly the greatest, longest living monarch in history. The great Kate Blanchett played her yes. in two films. And, you know, it's kind of awesome that she was the daughter of the awesome, very ambitious Anne Boleyn who got beheaded but kind of won in the end. Mm-hmm. And, wait, was Mary, Bloody Mary, was she Mary, Queen of Scots? I don't know. Is that, was that she? one? No. Dean's saying no. Oh, he would know. Mary, Queen of Scots is the other one. Dean's from Scotland, so he knows about that one. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, wow, that was really good. Was it? Yes. Because I was worried that it was a bit like, I don't know, not contemporary enough, but I love Tudor history. Obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. And that was just the gist. Like, I could go into so much more detail about so much more of that, but that is like the gist of the wives. Okay. What are your thoughts? Um, I feel like the final one. Mm, Catherine is, Parr. Yeah, definitely my fave. Mm. But Anne of Cleves. She was a badass. Anne of Cleves is awesome. I want to be her. Mm-hmm. Um, I can probably relate the most to <sighs> Anne Boleyn. Where you like, really? you really sell it up front, and yeah. then it's very disappointing <laughs> when you get it home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do all the things I promised. Follow through? I don't think so. <laughs> Can't I just starfish? <laughs> I get that, sister. <laughs> what about you? Who, who's your favorite of the queens? 
I mean, I like Catherine Parr. I like that she's considered an old badass when she's 33. That's how old I am. And by the way, we're at our age. She'd already been married and watched three men die. Yeah. (laughs) And was considered old and old and stately enough to marry like the 60-year-old monarch. Mm. (laughs) Like how nuts is that? (laughs) Times haven't changed that much though. Well, I know, that's true. If there was an available 60-year-old in power, he'd probably be looking around your age bracket or younger. That's true, yeah. Um, You know what the solution is for women to skew younger? (laughs) Just saying. I don't know. I think probably my favourite is... I like Anne of Cleves. Yeah. Just because she probably had the best life. Totally. She just had to turn up. I know. And she didn't get get weird about him being like, you're an uggo. She was like, fine, whatever. Give me my castle. Mm -hmm. And he did. And she had a great life Mm -hmm. with lots of money and food. And she came to court whenever she wanted. So she wasn't like stuck out in the boring castle. She was there. And then when she wanted a bit of gossip and fun, she would come to the palace and hang out in court and like, you know, check all the housewives drama and then she'd be like, okay, bye. And she'd just go back to her castle and party and probably have lots of dudes over. And mm-hmm. Anne of Cleves had it best, I reckon. You said she was German, right? Yes. Sensible, practical. Yep. Yep. All about it. Yep. Yeah, I wish I could all be about like it. her. Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, that's that. How, <laughs> I want to ask you to um, summarize it in less than a minute. Good luck. <laughs> 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 go. So this dude who wasn't meant to be king in the beginning kind of got surprised when he found out that he did have to be king and Uh so he married his brother's mourning wife Yes, um, and tried to make a baby because that's the only responsibility that he really had Uh apart from running a country. Um, She was letting him down on that front, so she had to go. There was another one also that seemed a little bit more compelling, so he found a way to get her on in uh, (laughs) by starting (laughs) a whole new religion that allowed the thing that his old religion said no to. His Uh, pain in a sultry vagina. Exactly the thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, then she was a bit of a disappointment, so she Uh had to go. Another one came along, not pretty enough. <laughs> no, the virgin. Oh. The virginal pure Jane Seymour. Yep. Oopsie. Yep. Died. Mm-hmm. Died um, during childbirth. Yep. Yeah. Um, another one came along. Was that the Argo? That was, yeah, Anna Cleves, the yep. Argo. Well, <laughs> y- yes. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and then there was another one between... The Argo and the, young the one ultimate who'd, feminist. Who'd had the audacity to sleep with someone before she slept with him. Oh, and then the slovenly slut. The slovenly yes. slut. And then there was, yes, Catherine Parr, the cool feminist who agreed to marry him just so she could argue with him about politics and get him to do some smart things for women. Mm. Which she did. And good on her. And then he died and exploded at his own funeral. Yeah, well, yep. I don't know. I've never heard that, but I like it. Oh, I feel like it's true because back then they didn't know how to, like, embalm like the bodies. Release the gas and, and stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can imagine how foul it would have been if he was already yeah. kind of putrid. So, um, ooh, yeah. And then he got buried next to the lovely Jane Seymour. And that was that. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm so fascinated to know that one of the six wives wasn't actually a wife. 
Yeah, well, yeah, technically she wasn't. Mm. She, they made her his honorary sister because she catfished him. Do you happen to know if that sister then married and had any kids and what became Anna their Cleves. lineage? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think she was allowed to marry. I could be making that okay. up, but I definitely don't. She didn't get married or have children. I'm sure um, she still had a good time, yeah. Catherine Parr, by the way, the awesome feminist, she um, got married again after he died, got pregnant at like 37 or something and um, died during childbirth. So there's another one. Mm-hmm. But, yes, keep insisting on having babies in your living room in Byron Bay. <laughs> <laughs> So, Hospitals are pointless, aren't they? <laughs> so are vaccinations. We all know you've got a lot of <laughs> viewpoints to share when it comes to childbirth. Um, so I guess this really is where the value of the royals comes in, right? You end up with these amazing historical records of some really interesting lives that people yeah. have had. Well, and, and things were really up in the air. I mean, it, it goes a lot deeper, like there was the War of the Roses between um, the two houses. The Tudor house won, which was Henry VII, won the War of the Roses. So he took over, like, the being king, took over the royal line. <laughs> took over the being king. <laughs> you know, and then his son was Henry VIII, and then Henry VIII had Elizabeth, and then people are pretty clear about the line of succession from Elizabeth onwards. So this really is kind of from the Tudors onwards is where um, the most kind of populist history comes from mm-hmm. of the royal family, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and imagine what they're going to be saying about the Megxit scenario in 500 years from now. I know. I just, you know, God love her. They're both back in Canada in a $20 million mansion now. When did they turn on her? Because I really thought that she was like the darling of no. the media world from the beginning. They turned on her like pretty much straight away. It was like pretty instantaneous. Like there have been these amazing headlines in the last couple of weeks comparing all the headlines and stories that were written about, about Kate Middleton and all the headlines and stories that were written about Megan mm. and how it, it just cannot be denied that the press was treating them differently. Like, for example, there was one headline about Kate Middleton that was like, um, avocados are the magic ingredient that are helping her through her morning sickness. And then there was one that was like, Megan is a typical millennial eating avocados that have probably been mined in a forest with child slaves. And then there's one of like a picture of Kate Middleton holding her belly and it's like, you know, Almost time for the due date. Kate is lovingly guiding her baby into the world. And then there's like one of Megan holding her belly and it's like, why does she keep holding her belly? It's insufferable. We (sighs) get it. You're pregnant. Like literally from the start, she was getting treated very, very differently. And I think it does just have a lot to do with um, institutionalised racism, definitely. I think also just the fact that she's... um, from the second she got together with Harry, he seemed to have one foot out the door, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is to, like, I don't think that can be blamed on her. I think that is because he, because of what happened to Diana, is incredibly protective of, you know, the mm-hmm. woman in his life that he loves. And the second he realised he loved her, he was like, I'm getting you the F out of here, yeah. particularly because the press were being so awful to her. Yeah. So 
It's kind of a chicken and egg situation. Everyone's arguing, like, we didn't start being awful to her until it looked like they were, like, looking to bounce. Mm. And they're saying we were looking to bounce because you were being awful to us. So, you know. When you say institutionalised racism, is it the fact that she's mixed race or is it because she's American and not British or a combination of both? No, it's the fact that she's black, yeah. It's the fact that she's black. Uh I mean, there were headlines like um, in England, like when she first started dating Harry, things like um, take a look at the ghetto neighbourhood where Meghan Markle's mother lives, like, you know, things like that. Right. And her mother lives in just like a perfectly normal neighbourhood in Los Angeles. (laughs) Like it's, it's, and, you know, there was a very prominent member of the royal family, one of the cousins, uh, who's like an older woman, I think she's in like her 70s, and at the very first uh, public royal dinner that Meghan Markle was in attendance, she wore a, uh, basically like the equivalent of like a gollywog brooch on her dress to the dinner, like a very offensive blackface African brooch. And so she, and it it just kind of felt like she couldn't not have known that that was... Taunting. It was on purpose. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, I think it's just, um, it's a range of things. Institutionalised racism is one part of it. And I think ownership over the members of the royal family, particularly William and Harry, is another part of it. Um, ownership from the public or ownership from, from the, the family? From the public. Oh, both, oh. but I think from the public. I think the fact that the royal family is changing and modernising and that makes traditionalists nervous, that's part of it. I mean, it's lots of things, Mm -hmm. but it all seems to have ended up on her shoulders, which is wildly unfair. Mm. So, anyway. Get out. She's now, yeah, bounced. Good on Mm -hmm. her. She got out. Free agents. Good for them. Good for them. So, yeah, that's this week. And um, people have been sending in a bunch of stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do next week, but I'll keep you posted. Oh, I like being surprised at the last minute. So I guess that's true. You can tell me then. All right, well. Well, you look gorgeous in your, is that velvet? Well, it's not real velvet. It's, this was $23 from ASOS clearance. Well, it's very regal. Perfect outfit for this evening's recap. And I enjoyed that very much. Thank you. Thank you, my love. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye. Listener.